Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope you hear this conversation with Jessica Wang. <clears throat> hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today we have Jessica Wang with us. Hello. Thank you for being here. Yes, and thank you. Yeah, I mean, this episode doesn't really have a single topic because I feel like there's so much we can discuss just regarding your life. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just going to dive into a conversation, kind of see where it goes. And yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. Okay. I mean, so one of the first things I wanted to ask you about, because um, just tracing your life from the very beginning, I know you are the youngest of, is it three? Yes, three. And, I have three older sisters. And what are the ages for, for you and your siblings? Like? So um, I have three older sisters. My oldest sister and I, her name, um, we are 14 years apart, and then it's 12 years, and then it's 10 years, and then, um, yeah. So I grew up with all girls in the house. Um, I am the baby of the family. Oh, so you have three older sisters? Yeah. Oh, wow. So the And the closest age sibling that you have is 10 years apart? Yes. So did you grow up having kind of like four moms? Yeah, that's basically what it felt like. Mm. Um and once I hit middle school, like mm. that's when, or like early elementary school, that's when they went to college. So um, wow. my oldest sister was um, going to Georgia State, so she was still living at home. Mm. But um, my other two sisters, so Michelle is my older sister. She mm. stayed at home um, commuting to Georgia State. And then Jenny went to Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. And then Eileen went to UGA and then um, transferred to Georgia State. So she was around um, near the and I guess of her college career. Hmm. Wow. So did you ever have, do you ever remember your siblings like before they could drive? Do you have a memory of that? No. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember wow. them wow. not being able to drive and like being a teenager, I guess. So how did, how do you think that kind of affected you while growing up? Because I mean, you guys are all siblings, mm -hmm. but they are much closer in age together so mm -hmm. i'm sure they kind of did life together yeah did you ever feel like excluded or anything like yeah that? it definitely was something that i struggled with mm -hmm. and um i think i couldn't name it until like until i was in high school mm -hmm. um in college even um but always kind of feeling a little bit left out um, because all of my cousins too on my on my dad's side of the family mm -hmm. um they're all around their age. And oh, wow. um, and so, you know, anytime that we had family gatherings and things like that, um, I would always feel like, like very like, they, it's not like they were like purposefully excluding me, but mm -hmm. just the fact that there is that big age gap. Mm. Yeah. Wow. But th were there any perks though? You, I'm sure never needed a ride because you had <laughs> so many people to choose from. Anything like that? Um, I would say... <laughs> What I remember, um, I used to borrow their clothes a lot mm. um, with and without them knowing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really big perk. Uh -huh. And um, and especially now, um, I feel like even though there is the big age gap and like my sisters, they all are starting like their families and all of that. Um, just I've always um, really appreciated having older sisters to talk to like mm. about where I am in my life stage and I feel like it's actually really helped me to become more reflective and uh, mature I'm gonna ask you a question mm -hmm. this might get you in trouble <laughs> do you have a favorite sibling <laughs> I cannot answer that question okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just in case they listen yeah. to this I don't know <laughs> yeah. because that question actually always fascinated me because mm -hmm. I only have one sibling oh. so I have a favorite by default yeah and sometimes even I I would consider him not my favorite. Uh -huh. So to, yeah, just, just whenever I meet people who have multiple siblings, mm -hmm. I always, always wonder. Yeah. Did, did you then, okay, let's not talk about now, but in your past, uh -huh. have you had preferences? Like, yes. Like phases <laughs> where you said, I prefer this one over another. Definitely. Mm. Um, so I can tell you a little bit about, I, they're really, I really don't have a favorite sibling. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like all of our relationships are so different. Mm -hmm. uh, but Michelle, my oldest sister, um, she's definitely the most nurturing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, growing up, I gravitated towards her the most. Mm -hmm. um, Jenny was always um, 
she was always like the really fun and funny one Mm -hmm. um and she actually moved to chicago for med school um when i was in middle school and so i feel like because of that like um that kind of played a role into our relationship Mm. but we're still very close Mm. um and (laughs) eileen so eileen is the one um she moved back from chicago um i think two years ago now maybe Mm. a year and a half ago now um but um when i was when we were growing up, I always, I always thought that she was the mean sister. (laughs) And maybe it's because like she was the youngest and Mm. then I took away the, um, the spotlight or something. But, um, I would say (laughs) now, um, I feel probably the most close Mm. with her. Oh, so your second oldest sister, Jenny, Mm -hmm. and your third sister, Eileen, they Mm -hmm. were in Chicago together? Yeah, they were in Chicago together at some, uh, or for a long time, and then Jenny got married, um, I'm so bad with dates, but she got married, uh, three years ago? Hmm. Two years ago? I, uh, she got married, and then she, (laughs) she moved to LA, um, to, uh, for, uh, to be with her husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's in LA now. Yeah, or Pasadena. Yes. Okay. So yes. is it always kind of like a treat when you get to see her? Yeah. She's a sibling that you don't always have access to. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. So then that that's one part of your upbringing. But another part that kind of was fascinating to me is not only are you multicultural because you know you're Asian American, mm-hmm. but also you you have a very diverse biological background in terms of your <laughs> your race right? mm-hmm. so you're multiracial as well so I, do you want to talk about that a little yeah bit? um so i guess if you were to like divvy up my race <laughs> um i am three-fourths chinese mm-hmm. and a quarter korean um so it's really interesting because it plays a lot into um like the history of um of china and mm-hmm. all of that but basically um when the communist party took over china's government mm-hmm. um my grandparents my dad's parents they um they fled to korea oh. and um my mom's dad he was a businessman and he was in korea at the time and then because of whatever like restrictions or what was going on at the time he couldn't return back to china and so my mom is half korean and half chinese but my dad is full korean but both of them grew up in korea oh that's fascinating Mm -hmm. so your parents were kind of the original multicultural yeah and then you wow so do they do they speak Korean? Yes, oh, yes. Wow, wow. Um, so growing up, it was re- it was normal to me. Mm. Um, it wasn't until like I guess middle school that I like started to realize like oh, not everybody is like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a Chinese Korean community in Atlanta mm-hmm. because like when my parents meet with their friends, it's like they sp- they're speaking three languages: wow. Chinese, Korean, and English. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Do you and do you speak Chinese or? Korean? I um I grew up learning Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped out in fifth grade though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I grew up learning Chinese. Oh. I didn't learn Korean. Um, but. Uh, I think because I have so many Korean friends and because like just being around um, a lot of like like my parents would watch like Korean dramas and things mm. like that like I can I can pick up on things mm. yeah so do they, did they ever use Korean to kind of talk behind you like not talk behind your backs but when they discuss things that they didn't want to share with you would they speak in Korean? I think so yeah yes. there yes. were definitely times where that would happen yeah. I'd be like what are you saying yeah, yeah. Oh, they're speaking Korean they yeah talking about <laughs> oh, okay so then did that in any way sort of shape your identity as an Asian American I know you, you said you were more cognizant of it in in middle school yeah but like how did that kind of change your trajectory in terms of building your identity so um i grew up in alpharetta which then turned into john's creek so i'm like right on the border of um of i guess where alfred and john's creek are um and growing up in elementary school there were not many chinese people around um i i can remember uh maybe like there were only five asian kids at my um at my elementary school and um, they were, well, yeah, for the most part, they were Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, um, who's my, 
like my longest oldest friend um julie um like we grew up like right on the same street with each other um and so yeah so there were there were not that many asian people around um but once i hit middle school that's when um you know different elementary schools came together and so there were a lot more asian people and mm-hmm. i feel like that's when i became more cognizant of the fact that of my race mm-hmm. um because growing up like i like was friends with everybody um and it was around that time that um i started attending a my mom sent me to a um korean summer school at mm-hmm. a church mm-hmm. and um and be, and that just like introduced me to like a whole new world basically mm. um and i really think it was god like working in me mm. um even at that really young age because i grew up going to church um i grew up going to a triple c mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and uh yeah, never atlanta chinese christian church, church right? yes mm-hmm. um and i never really felt connected um to like a greater community there is just like I just went with my parents mm. um but then once I started going to that uh summer school I was in going into sixth grade mm. um so the summer of my fifth grade year um I uh started attending like their FNFs um Friday night fellowships mm-hmm. and um and yeah and then that just kind of like took me on a whole new trajectory of like what faith could actually be mm. and um and so i feel like in that aspect it's been um it has taken um it has formed me mm. and you mentioned that your your mom sent you to the korean mm-hmm. summer school right so she's she's half korean yes and your dad is full chinese right yeah is there, is there ever any sort of like cultural tension there um because although your mom is half chinese i'm sure there she's had influence from kind of the more Korean culture side of her upbringing and things like that. So have you, did you, I, I don't know, do, do you think you ever witnessed anything like that? Um, I don't think so because, again, my dad grew up in Korea too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and then also I feel like, you know, between like the Chinese culture and Korean culture, like things are very similar yeah. um, that it's hard to, it's hard to, pick out like what's what makes it really Mm. different um because i think in most asian cultures like Mm. we really value family and honor and um things like that so um yeah and it never was an issue Mm. at least to me who do you root for during the olympics (laughs) (laughs) um like do you get in trouble if you root for like one country over the other no I mean, I don't know. That's always that's always an interesting time because yeah. I'm like, do I root for America or do right. which what yeah, which country do I root for? But um I I don't really have like a team favorite. Mm-hmm. I just root for whichever one I connect with. <laughs> I, I I just root for whoever's doing better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's kind of yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So, th- th- did your parents ever tell you about kind of their upbringing in Korea? Cuz I, I imagine it must have been well, I, I don't know how difficult it would have been, but I'm sure it was very different to be Chinese people in Korea, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I know that there is a fairly sizable Chinese-Korean population in Korea, but I just wonder, did, did they ever tell you anything about their upbringing? Um, yeah, my mom, I remember she used to tell me lots of stories um, about just like how difficult it was mm. um, because my mom, I think they my mom's parents used to own like a small store Mm -hmm. and um she would just tell me stories about how um how difficult it was because um she really wanted to go to school and you know um, going to school meant like like a three mile trek you know even through through all the rain the snow the heat all of that Mm -hmm. and um but also um she used to tell me like really um sweet stories about like how she grew up next to the ocean and Mm. so like they would used to like go catch crabs and stuff like that um and my dad um my dad's parents they owned a chinese restaurant i Mm -hmm. believe in seoul Mm -hmm. um and so um he used to tell me lots of stories about like like just being at the restaurant and um and my parents met um through school Mm. i think they went to high school together um and once they graduated high school my mom went back home and um she helped out my 
my grandparents and eventually um, went to Taiwan for university. Mm-hmm. And um, and then a former classmate of theirs reconnected them. Oh, and my wow. dad being, I guess, like a romantic, a secret romantic, he would write letters to her. Mm. And, um, and so they would write letters back and forth. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, so did your... Uh, your dad's family, did they run like a jajangmyeon place? I don't know the extent of like what they mm-hmm. sold, but I, I'm pretty sure it was something like that. Because yeah, I, I, I uh, saw like a documentary uh-huh. of the first wave of Chinese Korean immigrants, mm-hmm. how they really built their communities around jajangmyeon. So mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, that's uh, black, black bean paste noodle, yeah. right? And it's, it's actually... A, Korean people think of it as a Chinese dish, mm-hmm. but it's actually more of a Chinese Chinese dish uh, made for the palate of the Koreans. Mm. So, I, like, if you go to a, like an authentic Chinese restaurant, I hear you can't really get something that tastes similar to jajangmyeon. Yeah, because it's uh, the the Chinese Korean immigrants they they figured out a way to make this wildly popular dish, and they like literally built their communities on that. They they called it the the documentary called it like their uh, some like something similar to like oil or something. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is the, the their, their lifeblood. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I was I was just curious if I will parents. ask my dad that because yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Because also I feel like whenever my parents made jajangmyeon, mm-hmm. uh, it's very different from like the places that you would get it at like a Korean restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It, like. The texture is different. The taste is different. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, they say French food is like the best cuisine of the world. But like Chinese people, they like literally prop up their economies by selling their food to other people. Like, <laughs> like if you think about Chinese food in America mm-hmm. as well, it's not really Chinese food. It's right. Chinese food like adjusted to, for the palate of the American taste bud. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's just a. It's interesting because I, I was thinking about that the other day, mm-hmm. and then when so when you brought up the fact that your your dad's family had a restaurant, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So <clears throat> then let's shift uh, a little bit from from your upbringing to where you are now. Mm-hmm. So what college did you go to? I went to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you study? And I studied education. So I first um, went into school. Uh, as a pre-nursing major and then very quickly realized that nursing was not for me (laughs) Uh, I took a microbio course and Mm. then I was like oh my gosh Um, and then so went through this whole crisis of not really knowing what to do Mm. and um, at the time I was um, helping out with my home church's youth group and um, and you know, just really loving to serve the youth group mm. and um, being able to work with adolescents, even though I wasn't that far off from age from them. Um, but I think that's what really led me to make the decision to to um, go into education. Mm. Yeah. How far you? How far were you in your pre-nursing? like career path before you switched i was about to apply to nursing programs yeah so um i had taken the i forgot what the test is called but i i took the um the test that you need to do in order to apply but then i just was like i can't do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so with your education major what did you end up doing in your career? So I went into middle level education. Mm-hmm. I concentrated in science and language arts. And um, I'm currently in my third year of teaching. Um, I've been teaching middle grade science. Mm-hmm. So um, this is my, I'm currently at my second school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small charter school in Atlanta. Um, and I am currently teaching seventh and eighth grade. So okay. I moved up with the kids that I was with last year. Oh, wow. Yes. So, oh, that was, that must've been a nice little treat for them too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as a teacher, so I, I know a lot of people were probably wondering why I didn't give you a chance to like introduce who you are in the beginning. Cause I usually say, Hey, this is Jessica. Like, can mm-hmm. you tell us about what you do and stuff like that? Um, but I just, I just wanted to paint like a linear path of your life. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm introducing this fact here. Um, but yeah, as a teacher um, who is in Atlanta, mm-hmm. you must have a unique perspective on 
kind of how, like the education system, right? Because APS Atlanta Public uh, Atlanta Public Schools, mm-hmm. um, they're not super well funded, right? And they're not always in the best of locations. So I'm sure there are socioeconomic challenges there, mm-hmm. right? So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, I work at a Title One school, mm-hmm. and for those of you that don't know what Title One means, it's basically um, like a the majority percentage of um, the kids that go to my school um, receive free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, APS this year actually did something different though, where they offered free lunch for all students, which mm-hmm. is which is good in theory, but the food that they serve sometimes is kind of like ooh. Oh. Um, but anyways, um, so I am uh, at a Title One school. Um, it was interesting because um, my roommate actually was teaching at this school and excuse me um, when I was when it came time to like you know think about other options and um, where I wanted to be um, the very first school that I taught at um, was predominantly white um, in a pretty affluent neighborhood. It's in, um, East Atlanta. And, um, and I was in a special education role, which Mm -hmm. is not my background. I just picked up the certification. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I wanted to go into general education Mm -hmm. and I wanted to become like the main teacher. So that's the reason why I explore different options. My roommate, um, was teaching at the current school I'm at. Um, and I just like fell in love with um, what their mission was and what their values were mm-hmm. because um, it's right where Bankhead and Buckhead meet. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of the kids there, um, their whole vision was to bring in um, students of different socioeconomic statuses mm-hmm. um, in the same classroom so that we could bridge the gaps um, and bring in diversity in that way. Um, so, I mean, for those of you not in Atlanta, if you think about Bankhead and Buckhead, they're like polar opposites. Right. right? Buckhead, super affluent, mm-hmm. a lot of rich people. Bankhead, not so much. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And so um, it was interesting because when I went in for my interview and I did my um, demo lesson, mm-hmm. um, I got to see a class of kids. And, um, you know, at the time it was very diverse. Um, in diverse meaning like it was like pretty much 50% white, 50% black. Mm-hmm. Um and once I started the school year, though, um, things had changed um, because in middle school, um, I guess parents are really thinking about, you know, the trajectory of like high school and like where that's going to lead them. So actually a lot of, um, of the white families um, decided to take their kids out of the school and they sent them to um, private schools, um, which was a which was a big bummer um, because then my, my dream has always been to, um, to teach at a really diverse school. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of that, um, it then shifted the demographics and um, our school became predominantly black. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so it just shifted the things that um, I was not expecting, yeah. and um, it did pose a lot of challenges last year um, because because certain kids left, like we had to, or we took in kids from the lottery system, mm-hmm. um, and so um, lo- different local kids were um, selected to come mm-hmm. and um, join our school. So I know that the, I'm sure at least the, mainstream media like movies and tv shows kind of portray um the how do i say this so the less funded a school is or less funded or less prosperous an area is they they portray that students tend to be not as uh like they don't behave as well right so uh, there's a, probably a whole psych- psychology of that and reasons why that is but do you find that to be true where you are, or? so <clears throat> um i again i work at a small charter school mm-hmm. it's a public charter school um so it is still considered to be a part of aps mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but how the funding works with charter schools um uh, Georgia gives us a certain amount of money, but then we also have to um, fundraise mm. um, 
for for funds um and so um my school has been open for eight years mm-hmm. and um I'm trying to collect my thoughts on how to explain this. Uh, the The neighborhood that we are currently in is um, is definitely a lower income neighborhood. Uh, but again, because of the fact that you know they're trying to merge um, students from Bankhead and also Buckhead, um, the elementary school. So it's a K through eight school. Mm-hmm. The elementary school is pretty diverse. I would say the middle school is more so um, higher in percentage of kids that receive free and reduced mm-hmm. lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of what you were talking about earlier, where the more affluent families will pull kids out to go to private school to get them ready for college. Right, that. right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, so another reason why I really love my school is because um, we focus on everything that the child like is and goes through and so uh, we really focus on um, social and emotional well-being mm. and so we are very cognizant and um, just aware of of what they're going through mm. um, our school my school focuses a lot on um, you know, certain traumas that may happen, um, with children and, uh, what that then looks like and in their certain behaviors. Um, and so just being aware of the whole child, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, that there, there's always a reason for their behavior. Yeah. Oh, okay. So do you find it easy to connect with them? Because you obviously didn't grow up in that kind of environment you, mm-hmm. you grew up i'm assuming comfortably in the middle class mm-hmm. right right yeah so do you are there challenges there as, as a teacher I'm, i assume you can't always relate to their situations but yeah so how, how does that kind of look last year again was my first year so um it was definitely very challenging because uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the school that i was necessarily signing up to teach at mm-hmm. um starting the school year and um because of the the shift in yeah exactly yeah. yeah and it i did have challenges connecting with them but you know when it really comes down to it um like one of the really big reasons why i went into education was because i love helping kids to discover more of like who they are and their passions and um just helping them build up their sense of identity Mm. um and i just really focused on those things um and so i think this year has gone so much better because of the fact that i've had i've built those relationships um and so i feel I felt really lucky that I got to move up with them. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I was going to touch on the fact that you already taught there for a year and you're back again, right? So the experience must have been positive, right? Overall. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see my face right now, but I I did a little. I stopped because she made a face (laughs) at me. But, well, uh, I'm assuming, I mean, there was a reason why you went back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so can, can you kind of explain the heart behind that? And like, Ooh. Um, so last year was a really big struggle. I Every day, every day I was contemplating, should I stay in education? Is being a teacher what I'm really called to do? Am I, am I good enough for this? All those kinds of questions. Um, so can I ask what caused those thoughts and feelings i think just because i was having so many challenges with certain kids behaviors Mm. um it was just the negative aspects of certain interactions and um certain relationships like it just consumed me Mm. um and so all throughout last year i was constantly in this state of unknown like Mm -hmm. i don't know what i should do 
I don't know if I should stay here. I don't even know if um, being a teacher is what I really should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really believe that that God like put me in those situations to help me realize that like you know my career is not my identity mm-hmm. and um, and so it was it was a very very challenging year in that sense um, and but I ended up deciding to stay mm-hmm. um, because I shifted from the mindset of I don't know if I'm good enough to be a teacher mm-hmm. to accepting like like I am like a new teacher mm-hmm. and you know I'm not gonna know everything and I'm not gonna be perfect but you know I'm here with these kids now and I'm also learning and growing still and so because um I was able to learn all of that last year I decided to stay again mm. yeah oh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah because I think to have a teach I mean to be a teacher you need a special type of heart um on this podcast before we actually had minzu on mm-hmm. who's uh she specializes in special education and yeah even her like when she talked about her heart behind why she does it it's so it's so special it's like not everyone has that heart <laughs> it's a very altruistic i want to see better for the future generation type of heart that not not everyone has so mm-hmm. i commend you thank and, you uh, <laughs> that's that's so awesome so um, this year you said that it, it's, it's a lot better because of the shift in mindset and mm-hmm. because of the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of fruit has that borne? Like because of, uh, I mean, is it, is it simply just I'm um, having an easier time or are you seeing more improvements in like the way you teach or uh, relationships that you have with your kids or anything like that? It's very complex mm-hmm. um, because... Because my school is such a young school, um, and this is our third year of having middle school, um, there are certain systemic things that we still haven't figured out. Mm. Um, Overall, though, I feel stronger as a teacher. Mm. I think because, you know, figuring out, like, my sense of identity as a young adult, um, while teaching and all that stuff like everything was just so blurred and I didn't have a strong sense of like confident self-confidence and who I was and so um I think this year has definitely shown like how much I have grown mm-hmm. um behaviorally wise with certain kids it's still it's still challenging Mm -hmm. at times and again it's very complex because like my eighth grade class versus my seventh grade class um behaviorally is very different Mm -hmm. but it's just because um the eighth grade class there they've been with each other for so long that their dynamics are very interesting like they're almost like siblings Mm -hmm. and um and because our school doesn't have a very strong approach when it comes to discipline Mm. um because we're still figuring that out it's been it's been tasking for me and also the other teachers Mm. and so at this point you know i'm a third year teacher second year at this school um but you know my 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 colleagues that have been teaching for like nine plus years they're also having a difficult time. Mm-hmm. So just keeping things in perspective of the fact that like, it's it's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so this year has been still a challenge in that way. Right. Yeah. But So I, I need to ask in, in terms of your mental health, because when there's work stress, mm-hmm. your mental health suffers. Um, have you seen, well, I, I, I'm just working off the assumption that you probably had, um, yeah, that your mental health suffered last year because of its difficulties. Mm-hmm. Have you seen improvements this year? I have. Um, so I have been in counseling since I started teaching. Okay. And um, just really taking the time to be reflective. And um, throughout this whole process of like becoming a teacher or being a teacher, mm-hmm. um, I feel like this year, mentally and emotionally, I like I'm so much stronger. Mm. 
but I would say that physically wise, um, my body is still going through a lot, um, that just being a teacher, like, there's just so many, so many challenges, and it's very exhausting, um, and I'm just being completely transparent right now, but, like, like, I've been sick, I think, maybe for the past month, um, on and off, which really sucks, because, like, my voice, (laughs) I lost my voice, like, I think three weeks ago, and it still hasn't fully recovered, and I don't remember what it sounds like anymore, (laughs) but, um, but it's, it's been a challenge, um, because I have to tell myself, like, when enough is enough, you know, because my kind of personality, like I, I try to like do 100% in everything, but I'm realizing now that I can't do that because it's not sustainable. Um, I'm going to burn myself out. So uh, if you don't mind me asking with regards to counseling, Mm -hmm. I like talking about this because Mm -hmm. I've since doing this podcast, actually, I've realized that there are a lot of people that I know who actually go through counseling Mm -hmm. that they don't always talk about and i think especially in the asian american community for some reason like counseling therapy things like that is very stigmatized it it makes it it's almost like if you admit that you do it you're you're revealing some sort of weakness or something um so how has it helped you since you started going counseling um what improvements have you seen in yourself and um why would you recommend other people do it so um, I love counseling and I think everybody should, should at some point be in counseling or some kind of form of therapy because when you are able to say the things that are going through your mind out loud to an objective person, mm-hmm. you can then realize or you can realize the things that you didn't even know that you were thinking. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just been so helpful in the sense that I am able to understand the patterns of my thinking mm. and the patterns of um, like where that thinking will go. Mm. And I feel like that in, in that way, I have been able to um, learn just more about myself and get into, you know, the reasons why I do think in certain ways. And, you know, um, I went through a really big season of anxiety and just like where that was stemming from. Mm. Um, and so now I've been able to, um, because of all of my hard work, because it's like, it's really like training your mind, mm-hmm. um, just like how you would train your body. But because of all the hard work, I'm now able to like stop myself before I go down that, that spiral of like anxious mm-hmm. thoughts and worry. Um, and so it's just been really helpful in the sense of me just knowing more of who I am and, um, remembering how far I've come. Mm. Um, I was actually a part of a teacher residency program that was partnered with Georgia state. And one of the things that we really focused on was cognitive, cognitively based compassion training. And so it focused a lot on like meditation and um, just the values of like being self-compassionate so that you can be compassionate towards others. Mm. And I feel like because I was exposed to that kind of language Mm -hmm. and that perspective of self that I then was open to the idea of exploring counseling Mm. because it wasn't until I realized, you know, my own weakness that I needed help, um, that I actually went to and I sought out help. Okay. So, so was it like a specific event that needed to happen for you to decide to go to counseling or was it just, you were just sitting there one day and said, Hey, I could use some counseling. Um, it was a series of events. Um, I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship Mm. and, um, I was also, 
going into my first year of teaching there's just so many transitions mm. like even that summer my parents moved out of the my childhood uh, my childhood home oh, yeah. and so it's just like so many things are changing yeah. so yeah. i was like i cannot take this anymore mm, okay <laughs> yeah. so it was just all this transitions yeah. that were happening okay yeah oh but so was it did you make the decision yourself or did someone like close to you recognize that you, you could use it or I made the decision myself. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I think, so I started in August of 2017. Um, and I had considered go- starting counseling um, like the year before, but just never really bit the bullet um because i was feeling very anxious throughout my student teaching and so just all of this built up anxiety and just all the change and all the things that were like oh my gosh i just overload you know so um that all led me to to start counseling because i think a lot of people don't really have that self-awareness to be able to say i need counseling at this point Mm -hmm. because I would I, I would say that a lot of people don't even really know what counseling is for. Um, so, yeah. So if you had people like who, who would you approach? Um, who would you recommend go to counseling? Like people in what type of situations or what type of mindsets do you think uh, would benefit from counseling? I think that I think again everybody can benefit from counseling. Um, the people that I would say need it the most mm-hmm. are probably the people that say that they don't need it. Ah, uh, because yeah. in that that block, you know, there's a reason why you're blocking off that that part of yourself or mm-hmm. being able to open up in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just like going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking care of your physical health. You also have to take care of your mental and emotional health right. um, because all of these things, like, they all interact with each other. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I just, I was always very open to the idea. Like, it was never, like, a really stigmatized thing mm. in my mind. Um, and so I I can understand the the struggle of, being vulnerable uh, to some extent but um, I think if you are able to um, afford being able to go um, whether that means money or time mm-hmm. but if you have the resources that um, everybody would benefit yeah. yeah so then if anyone who is aware of the fact that in terms of their mental health that they're suffering so because because this is my thing I, I think that especially for guys they just assume whatever unhappiness they're going through is just part of life mm. and then they say well counseling is not going to do anything for me because this is just what being an adult is right so there are people with that kind of mindset but even those people can benefit from counseling right in your experience yeah, yeah. definitely because our minds gravitate towards negative thinking mm. like i um I forgot where I heard this, but um, our thoughts, you can think about them like as if they have some kind of sticky substance towards them. Mm. Our negative thoughts are actually more sticky. Um, And so, you know, building up that the strength to be able to to push away the negative things Mm -hmm. or not push them away, but to help recognize what is negative versus positive. and it helps you tremendously mm. just even in your overall overall like state of being because everybody does go through sucky situations at, mm. at some point in their lives like that's that's the guaranteed right that will always have some hardships in life yeah. but how you go through it um how you go through it and and you know having a sense of security and like and peace and um just compassion for yourself um that will shift things tremendously yeah Yeah. that's awesome so do you do you kind of take that perspective and approach when you uh, teach your kids um do you kind of translate that to how you educate them and and things like that yeah i try to Mm -hmm. um i i 
really try to check in with them like before class starts, um, see where they're at. Like I'm very aware of just like their state of mind, mm-hmm. um, what's going through their lives, um, you know. So I'm I'm taking all of these things into account, which is challenging because right. you know I'm only with them for an X amount of time each day. Um, How many students do you see every day? So I have it's a it's a really small school. I have. 24 eighth graders in total mm-hmm. and 37th graders in total. Mm-hmm. So I have 55 kids that I see every day. Yeah. So, I mean, you say it's small, but you're trying <laughs> to keep track of their lives. That's still a really large number. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So uh, then do, do you, have you, so uh, as a student teacher and with your first year experience at your other school, you, you have some experience um, with kids in a different area, right? Mm-hmm. So have you found that being more attentive to their kind of like what they're going through in life has benefits in terms of how effective your education becomes? Or is it just for their mental health and for emotional health that it's it's a. Um, <clears throat> I would say. It definitely helps because. You cannot, you cannot learn if you do not feel safe. Mm. Um, and so building relationships is the number one thing mm. in education. Mm. Like you have to be able to have a strong sense of security and also positivity mm. um, in order to learn. Because if you have, if you're always in like survival mode then you're not going to be able to to take in anything your your brain is only focused mm. on like am, am i safe am i right. you know it's just i'm i'm not painting or i'm not articulating in the best way that i can right now but but having a sense of relationship um is like the number one thing and um, and so being aware of their emotional and mental and like circumstances, it's all, it all plays into that. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. If you're feeling insecure and in, like maybe socially, maybe even physically, mm-hmm. then you're not, the least of your concerns is going to be about what physics is or, or what biology is. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes complete sense to me. So, um, I was actually going to ask if you could give advice to other uh, teachers who are starting up, what advice would you give? That was a really good piece of advice, but do, do you have any other? Um, so relationships are the number one mm-hmm. thing. Um, and also just to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of people that go into teaching um, have a certain personality where you know we're very idealistic and um, want to get things done all all of those things but the list is endless uh, your to-do list is endless um, things will feel overwhelming and so you have to take care of yourself mm. um, you know you have to set up boundaries for yourself so that you can maintain a healthy a healthy life and a healthy career so that you don't burn yourself out mm. which is what i'm still learning um but yeah self-care is so important because if you if you if you're running on low fuel then how are you going to be able to attend to all of these students that you're with mm. yep. so i know we, t- we talked about this a little bit about why you went back um, to that same school for your second year but um, how important is it to you that you're teaching students of, you know, in, in a Title I school? Like, would you ever consider going to a, a school in a different title category? So the reason why I wanted to teach in the city was because I grew up in Johns Creek, Georgia. Yeah. So it's very affluent um, and you know in some sense there is a uh, there's just a lot of privilege yeah and um that's what really led me to considering going um into inner city schools mm-hmm. um not to say that that you know kids of um of more affluent areas don't have struggles mm-hmm. uh, because i think every every 
every community has brokenness um, in some kind of struggle. But um, I just wanted to be somewhere that I could, um, yeah, like I could be of an impact, you know, because first off, like, I'm pretty sure that there's majority of my kids at my school have never seen an Asian woman before, <laughs> like in real life. Right. Um, and so I wanted to be able to connect with students that way. Mm-hmm. And then also just like, why not? You know, like, why not go into um, one of those schools? Because they, they deserve good teachers too. Mm-hmm. And um, not to say that, that I'm like a good teacher. <laughs> I'm still figuring that out. But right. um, but yeah, I just, I never wanted to um, cut out those schools mm-hmm. as opportunities. Right. Because yeah. I'm sure there are teachers out there who are thinking, I don't want to go to Title One because that's going to make my life more stressful. I'm going to keep my job search to specific areas. Mm-hmm. So that, But the fact that you are totally open to it, not only that you're still going at it at, at this Title One school, I think is, again, it really speaks to the kind of heart that you have and then the kind of uh, yeah, passion that you have for these students, which is, which is really awesome. Thanks. <laughs> so on the topic of your students, so this morning, I actually heard a pretty <laughs> funny story from a mutual friend of ours. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Apparently, there was a, a student that saw ghosts. Do you want to tell us a story? <laughs> so um, this was a student that I really struggled with last year in terms of building a relationship with him because I just could not find any point of connection. Mm-hmm. And um, the story that... Connor, um, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. is talking about. So there's this one day where, you know, we were in class doing the lesson, and then um, this kid asked me to go to the bathroom, and I was like, okay, go ahead. And then he came back, and he was just like, I don't even know what's going through his head, but he was like, I just saw a ghost. I just saw a ghost. And then I was like, what? Uh You know? And then, um, and then he had the personality where he wanted to have attention from his peers Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and so he would do that in any way that he could get. Um, and so, he um, caused a really big disruption mm. in the classroom, and um, you know, I asked him to please step out. Like, um, I'll talk to you outside, and then he's like, "No, there's a ghost in the hallway," <laughs> and I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> and then so um, I told the kids to do like to continue doing whatever, yeah. and then I like stepped out and I like, talked to him, and then I was, you know, I I knew that he was just playing around, yeah. um, but he was really committed to his story (laughs) he was like i saw a ghost there's something white and floating in the hallway and and so i was like okay like like you're safe Mm -hmm. you know you're gonna be safe in the classroom i'm here Mm -hmm. like you know all the adults are around and he's like no 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 no. i i gotta go i gotta go and then i was like okay (laughs) you know like if in in my head i was like you're gonna keep going with this you know so i was just like okay well how about we call your mom then Uh and we can let her know what she saw (laughs) because i don't want you to feel unsafe Uh if you feel like you saw a ghost you should let your mom know Uh and then and then like the flips um the script flipped you know and then he was like no like no like you're you're trying to get me in trouble (laughs) and i was just like okay so do you want to come back in or not Mm. and so um yeah that's the ghost boy story (laughs) do you still see the student at your school he is actually not there anymore yeah um but yeah that's it's fascinating Mm -hmm. because i it's funny to me because i actually used to be one of those kids who would commit like 100 (laughs) percent to the lies that i was saying so i I can kind of relate to relate to that um wow so we're already at 50 minutes oh, but, wow. um there's you know we can go much longer but there is something that i really wanted to touch on and dive mm-hmm. into which is it's not your career because we, we covered it mm-hmm. but kind of something you do on the side which i think you're amazing at oh which thank is, you which is your art right <laughs> so you you have a instagram page yes right? and it's so i read it the other day it's the art in me heart is, is that what it is like because it's, it's mi it's the heart in me art okay sorry yeah <laughs> no yeah, no yeah. no it's okay uh-huh. um so i started it because i um 
I've always had a dream. To... Well, well, before oh. that, I need to ask. Yes. Why is it in me, like in me heart? Oh. Or in me art? Like, why is it M I? Yeah, and not a Y. Um, because that was taken already. Oh. <laughs> That's the only reason why. I thought you were going for like a pirate kind of feel. <laughs> that does that does sound very piratey. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm sorry I cut you off. Oh no, it's okay. Um, I. I've always had a dream of illustrating and mm-hmm. writing a children's book. Mm-hmm. And so Ben, um, Ben, my boyfriend, he um, bought me an iPad. It sounds very extravagant, but he bought me an iPad and an Apple Pencil mm-hmm. um, for Christmas uh, one, our last year. And, um, and, you know, I've just been slowly kind of working up to the idea of um of doing more of or exploring more of that side mm-hmm. of myself and um and so it actually started because um I offered to my sister because she just had a baby mm-hmm. I offered to um draw like little animals mm-hmm. um for her nursery and then after that like I was like oh wow you know like like I'm starting to build up some some um like, I guess, like a portfolio, mm-hmm. if you would say. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, oh, I want other people to see it, you know, and I just, I hope, like, it makes people happy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's the the heart in me art, because mm-hmm. I'm not an artist. I did not, like, take any lessons or anything like that. It was always something that I was always interested in, mm-hmm. but I never actually pursued. So, But you're very good at it. Because um, <laughs> actually go downstairs and look in my daughter's nursery, uh-huh. there are framed like drawings of animals. Yeah. But my wife bought that uh-huh. on Etsy. Like she she bought the digital images, printed it out, and put it into these frames that she got in Michaels. Uh, yeah. From Michaels. But then after she did that, she was, she discovered your Instagram page, and she was like, "Oh man, like if I knew about this before, I would have just bought it from her instead <laughs> of having to buy from some stranger." So, I mean, do you have like an Etsy page or anything like that? I do not. Um, you definitely should. Yeah, people yeah. have been telling me that. Sure it's just like that's a really big commitment, uh, yeah. uh, and I think I'm still trying to build my style Mm -hmm. um and so i think eventually i would want to do something like that um but we'll see i i haven't put much thought into it yet i've just been just been practicing well here's an endorsement from a a new mother (laughs) she literally she like right when she saw it she's like i would have much rather had these photos like these pictures in the frames that we have rather than the, the the photos or the pictures that she bought so man if you had an etsy page then that would have been a sale for you, you yeah know? i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, that's very kind and you talk about wanting to write a, a children's book so is that where your interest in illustration started or is that kind of where you are now at this point like that's the goal that you want to achieve next um I think I took a children's literacy course okay. um, in my education program and just like learning so much about how, um, you know, there's a story with the written words, mm-hmm. but then also looking at the illustrations, you like you can, it's a whole other element mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can tell a story just even just with pictures. Yeah. And so I think that's what really stirred up my um, my desire mm-hmm. uh, to do it. And, um, so that is like my, I guess, end goal. Mm. I just, I keep getting stuck with like what the story would be. Mm. Cause if you have a story in mind, sometimes it can get a little cheesy. Mm. You know what I mean? Right, like right. if you have a message that you're trying to tell, then it can get very cheesy. Mm. So, um, that's, that's just kind of where I am with it right now. I'm just completely just like brainstorming when i um brainstorming ideas when Mm. i can yeah if you are interested in a collaborative side project Mm -hmm. i actually have a a kind of a book it's not really a book it's only so many words but you know children's books don't really have aren't super long yeah in terms of their words i actually wrote something um after i had my daughter um kind of explaining my heart for her um, oh. If you if you wanted to do anything collaborative with that, I'll I'll let you read it after the podcast. Yeah, and um, yeah, definitely. Just, yeah, because I definitely can't draw anything um, to, <laughs> to your level. So if you don't want to do anything with it, then it's just gonna sit in my uh, Google Drive. No, but, I yeah, definitely no. want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So, sounds awesome. 
So then, um, how, how do you find time to kind of pursue this? It's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, teaching can be a very consuming job. And so I kind of use it as like me time, mm. um, which is also kind of a reason why like I'm really hesitant of opening up like an Etsy page and all that stuff. Mm. Um, because right now, just with where I'm at, like career wise and all that stuff, I, um, yeah, it's it's been difficult to find time to right. pursue more of it. Mm. Um, ben keeps on like poking at the idea of like, what if you just focused on that? And I'm just yeah. like, uh, I don't know. Like that's <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I actually had conversations with him um, at the retreat that we mm-hmm. all had together. Um, just kind of because actually Chuni was there too, and I ended up talking to him about it on the podcast. But we were just talking about the balance between career. Yeah. And some of the things that you kind of pursue as hobbies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but it doesn't sound like you're miserable at your job. It does sound like you have heart for, for educating those mm-hmm. kids and things like that. So, yeah, I, I feel like you're in a really good place of, <laughs> of balancing a career that you enjoy and also having um, being able to find spare time here and there where you can pursue other passions like Mm. your art yeah i would say that this school year has been better than last year Mm. Uh, but i still do have the questions of like is this really where i want to be Mm. Um, not so much of like am i good enough for this but do i do i think that this is worth it Mm. Um, and it's hard because it's like you know these are kids and they're like human beings and you know they have hearts they have interests they have dreams and so of course i want to um to be with kids in that way but um but yeah like systemically just in the education system and just even at the school level like there's lots of challenges so um yeah, I'm just, I feel like I have a stronger sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a matter of like, where do I want to go mm-hmm. from here? Do you ever, do you think it's a possibility that sometime in the future, you would be kind of all in full time on your art? Do you think that's a possibility or? Um, in an ideal world, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. But... I still struggle a lot with, I guess, like having this fear. Like, I think you were talking about like a fear of like financial security, you know? Um, And so I have not really been open to that idea. Mm. Um, Yeah, but people have been really encouraging me and it's really, it's a really kind, like, and it is very encouraging it's just like now i'm just kind of like in the works of like okay like well you know apparently i have a gift like can i really use this Mm -hmm. as a means of something more than just a hobby Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because i'm i'm actually trying to start a movement where asian american second generation asian americans uh that we we all just leave our careers (laughs) (laughs) and pursue the things that we really want to do yeah i know that's a that's not a movement that'll catch on for sure. <laughs> but, but it's a good it's a good um what's the word like it's a good perspective you yeah, know yeah it's like it, it, at least uh being aware mm-hmm. of um your life outside of just your career yeah i think is good yeah and i i, I really enjoy these podcasts because of that i, I kind of discovered this um as i was doing my podcast but when i talk to people about their careers and then they say but what i really enjoy doing uh-huh. is this and right. i always see that with everyone i've talked to mm-hmm. um there are people who well actually the one exception is uh pastor john um, <laughs> yeah he, he just loves being a pastor yeah. he's like he's meant to be a pastor yeah. so his passion and career are completely aligned there i think but um, <laughs> there are plenty of people out there who yeah, just have other interests that right. they're not really cultivating or kind of putting on the back burner because they're just so focused on their careers. Right. And I, it's my humble opinion that we should be pursuing even those interests because mm-hmm. that might end up being your calling. It doesn't have to be, right? I'm not saying that, oh, the one hobby that you have, that's your calling. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying mm-hmm. it could be. So you owe it to yourself to at least explore it and yeah, see yeah. what gifts God gave you. Yeah. Um, so 
this is just my my way of encouraging you to uh, eventually open up Etsy and, uh, <laughs> and pursue art more. Um, again, and that's a joke, but um, yeah, I, I definitely do think that the quality of art that you create is worthy of selling on online. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to ask, is, is there any topics that we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? Um. I can't think of anything. This was my very first time ever doing a podcast, so sorry if I was not very what? good what? at <laughs> No, this was awesome. Um, but yeah, if you if you ever have anything that you want to talk about that you think I would be a good guest for, mm-hmm. then I I'm always down. Sweet. I, yeah. I love getting people's uh commitment like that on on the podcast because <laughs> if you ever change your mind i can just say hey you said it on the podcast maybe i shouldn't have said that then. Oops. <laughs> yeah so um again thank you so much for coming today um it was thank you for having me treat uh just hearing about your life um really awesome to see the heart that you have for for the future generations <laughs> um and yeah great to see that there are, are passions outside of just your career that you're chasing mm-hmm. the instagram page again it's the heart in me heart or the heart in me art yes right? um, and the me is mi like a pirate like a pirate yes art. yeah so um follow her she has you're doing inktober right now right i've been trying to but yeah, yeah. Like, so like every every day if not every day every few days you're yeah. posting these new new things that you drew they're always super cute oh thank they're you always really nicely nicely done so go check her out and yeah, if you pester her enough, she might uh, she might sell you some of her drawings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, if you if you uh, have any questions or anything, uh, any follow up, and anything you want to uh, give us feedback on, uh, please email me at ihthtpodcast. That's I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com. Any questions that you have toward Jessica, I will make sure uh, be forwarded to her so that she can answer. And also, uh, yeah, you can comment on the post that I will post. In associated in association with this episode on my Instagram at I hope to hear this. Uh, just one word, no spaces. I hope to hear this, um, or you, you can message me on Instagram, whatever form you want to take. Um, but yeah, again, please follow Jessica Wing on her uh, Instagram at the Heart in Me Art. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 always really really good, and it'll brighten your day. So. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. And Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys.